Welcome to the Women in Ecology and Evolution podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirsty McLeod. I've been on a little podcast hiatus, but I'm back for the start of 2023 and hope you are all having a wonderful new year. We are kicking off this year with a shorter than normal episode. I really wanted to get this one out to you because today we are talking about online Twitter conferences and one of the best out there, the joint uh, Twitter conference of the Animal Behaviour Society and the Association of the Study of Animal Behaviour is starting in just a few days on the 18th of January. I talked today to Dr. Cassandra Raby about her paper evaluating a previous iteration of this conference as an inclusive venue to discuss behavioural biology research. It's a really interesting paper and a great preview to the upcoming conference, or chaser if you're listening in the future and followed along and are curious about the impact of this sort of conference. So without further ado, here's my chat with Cass. For today's paper in focus, I'm joined by Dr. Cassandra Raby, a teaching fellow at the University of Leeds School of Biology, to talk about online conferences and what we've learned about inclusive digital events during the coronavirus pandemic. So welcome, Cass, and thanks for joining today. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, So before we get stuck into this paper and talking about online conferences and and these sorts of things, this is not your primary area of research and it's not the research that I know you for. Um, So tell us about your main research themes before we get into the paper. So usually my research is focused on um, animal behaviour and um, animal health. So that thinks about how um, animals behave and how that's going to influence the likelihood of parasites or pathogens being transmitted between them, Um, and then also how they interact with the environment and the likelihood of that influencing their health as well. Um, I did a lot of research on that for my PhD as part of the Salbus Baboon Project out in Namibia. It's a long-term study site based from London Zoo. But um, I've also been doing work on more domestic animals, and that's part of SAVSNET, which is a veterinary surveillance um, organisation at the University of Liverpool. So thinking about how we survey and study animal health in in a bigger scale. So this paper is called An Inclusive Venue to Discuss Behavioural Biology Research, the first global animal behaviour Twitter conference, and it came out um, earlier this year in Animal Behaviour. Um, so how did you get involved in the first, it, it was ASAB, wasn't it, the Association for the Study of Animal Behaviour? Um, how did you get involved with their first Twitter conference, um, which I think is what this paper is evaluating? Yeah, so the Twitter conference itself was a nice mix between ASAB and ABS, so the um, American um, Animal Behaviour Society. And I am not um, on the committee for either of those organisations, but I had been working with ASAB across all of the pandemic to move all of their conferences online. So I'd already been working on moving um, original conferences to an online platform and developing those. And so when it came to this Twitter conference, which funnily enough was being organised before COVID happened, it just so happened to come out when all of us were moving online, Mm -hmm. um, I became involved in it because I'd already had a lot of that experience of how we move these conferences to an online platform. So what made this team decide to write this paper? What what was the sort of inception of this? So it hadn't, we didn't, 
really set out to write the paper when we were doing the conference. Um, we ran the conference and afterwards we realised that we were getting a lot of positive feedback. And then we also realised that there wasn't so much information out there as to how other organisations can organise a conference in this format. So we wanted to have two aims to the paper, one to help people understand and um, be able to replicate this themselves so that they can organise conferences on Twitter. And the second to think about how um, the benefits and how useful it was and what we learned from that process as well in terms of moving communication and academic networking onto a social media platform. Um, so how did you go about evaluating this type of conference and, and what sort of metrics were you especially interested in that were coming in from that kind of feedback that you mentioned? Yeah, it was quite a different way of collecting data for me. So instead of um, being able to go and design the study from the start, we were looking back and thinking, OK, well, what data are available for us to understand and be able to look at the engagement that we had as part of this conference? And so we ended up looking at a few different things. We sent a survey around asking people to let us know about their thoughts to do with the conference. And then we also had a look at the analytics of the website we developed as part of the conference, and then also um, patterns of use of the hashtag that we had as part of the conference. So there were multiple different ways that we could collect the data. And they could tell us different things about what was going on as well. So um, the reach of the conference, how many people that we managed to reach with that information um, and having a look at how global it really was. So obviously this is organised by um, two organisations that are in the West, essentially, and we wanted to know whether we were going to be able to reach a broad audience because the idea was that we were covering all the time zones available it was going to be available to everyone but was that really going to be who we were managing to reach so um, it was nice to be able to look at the patterns in the data to look at how well we were communicating with other people um, and then the surveys as well were really useful to just see what people felt about the conference itself. It was new for everyone involved. And there have been other um, Twitter conferences before, and we had replicated some of their styles in order to help um, inform how we did this. But for many of the attendees, this would be their first um, Twitter conference. So it was nice to see whether people felt that this was um, a useful thing for them or whether it was a waste of everyone's time. <laughs> <laughs> I realised something I should have probably asked at the beginning, just in case people haven't heard about this kind of conference before, how, how does a Twitter conference work? Oh, good point. And I should have explained that. So um, <laughs> yeah, this paper is essentially about um, moving uh, well, hosting a conference on Twitter. So Twitter being a social media site that um, hopefully all of us are um, aware of. And the idea is that people post threads of information. So about five to six different tweets telling us about their research. So um, they use a hashtag that is part of the conference. And so everyone can find the tweets that are associated with the conference um, and look through what is essentially presentations, but the presentations in Twitter format. Um, we have the same structure that you can ask people questions and um, then they can reply back. Um, but you have the benefit of it being um, on Twitter all the time. And so people can come back to the conference and they can continue having those discussions outside of the actual conference format. 
And we do, the tweets are timed so that there is a program and people are able to drop in and out of sessions as they please. And um, we made sure that the program covered all different time zones and we had chairs to make sure that we managed um, questions and um, made sure that these tweets were retweeted on the um, organization um, Twitter pages as well. So even if people didn't have Twitter, they were able to follow it um, and read it, all the information on there. So uh, yeah, the idea is just you, everyone who has submitted an abstract that gets selected can present um, in a Twitter post. I actually took part in one probably four, four years ago now. I don't think it was an ASAB one. It was one of the earlier ones. And I, I really enjoyed the format. I thought it was such a fresh and interesting idea. Um, and I remember it being very apparent to me that even in the session that I was programmed in, it really was very international and probably much more so than a normal conference would be. So was that one of the things that you found in this study? That's definitely been one of the benefits that's happened from um, not only this conference, but the other conferences that we moved online. So um, as well as this conference, we organized some of the ASAB conferences and we analyzed the data of how different the international reach was of um, normal ASAB conferences. And we found that not only were we getting much larger numbers of people signing up to the conferences than they'd ever seen before, but the global reach was was huge. It was so international um, and people were really quite excited about the fact that we could communicate so much more broadly than we'd been able to do previously. Mm. Was working across time zones a challenge? Because I know that's something that is often brought up as a potential challenge of this kind of conference. Yeah, I think especially because um, for this or for that conference we were um, limited by the people we had helping to organize it so um, we could try and get in other people to help um, chair the sessions that were within particular time zones but ultimately we were quite limited in the time zones that we were available and so yeah you just had to be flexible as to um, when um, and kind of separate the different shifts of support when the conference was happening itself. Mm. Um, so that in itself was probably the biggest challenge. We're currently organising um, another conference for January, and we've been a little bit more um, able to have a broader range of people join into the actual organisation of that conference so that we can have that global reach um, in a much easier way and that we can make sure that we prioritize other time zones um, mm. and make sure that we have people available for those as well so yeah um yeah it's it it was a little tricky but luckily having everything online makes it a lot easier you don't have to leave your room so uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> much easier than an in-person conference so there there's another um asab abs conference happening in january yeah so I can have all the information on that in, in the episode notes and links and the relevant hashtags and things to follow if those are available yet, or if they're Perfect. not, then um, ways to go and find out um, how, to, how to find them. So obviously we're now starting to move into, I hesitate to call it a post-COVID world because it is obviously not post-COVID, but uh, this last summer conferences have been going more in person um, but I noticed that you, in this paper, you highlight 
um, the Twitter element as, as a complementary rather than an, an alternative to in-person conferences. So how would you ideally like to see these kind of platforms um, continue to be used as conferences generally move more into the in-person kind of traditional format? Yeah, it's a good point. So in all of the kind of research we've done with every different conference format that we've done that's online, we noticed that a lot of people felt that networking and socialising was often a lot more difficult than, or at least it was a different way of networking and socialising. And I think that meant that a lot of people didn't take to online conferences in the same way and they ultimately missed having in-person conferences. Um, and some people even directly said that in the survey that we gave for the Twitter conference that they don't really want this to continue because they, they do just like in-person formats. We did have the other side of it as well, though, where some people said that they actually found it a lot easier to socialise and network online, um, especially um, Twitter is a really useful place for us all to socialise and network naturally. Um, and so it's quite a useful way to build those connections, but it's also a different way to build those connections. So it was interesting to get that mix of feedback in terms of whether people feel like it has that value. Um, but it's certainly true that some people do. Um, and so in terms of going forwards, the Twitter conference had never really been intended to be there just because of COVID. And it was always a plan to be integrated into the types of conferences that were provided by the two organisations. And so I think it's a matter of making sure that those in-person or um, hybrid conference platforms still continue. And alongside that, we can have the Twitter conferences because they are ultimately quite a different way of doing and communicating research. We found that not only are we able to communicate to each other and network to each other, but we're also communicating to undergraduates that were able to take part and to members of the public who would normally not be able to access um, academic conferences like this, or people that just have a broader range of research interest and wouldn't usually attend a conference, but it's still of interest them to join. So um, I think it, it has its use that is quite different from normal conferences and, and they can continue alongside each other. Yeah. Yeah, well, thanks a lot um, for talking to me about the paper. I think it's it's a really interesting read having seen Twitter conferences going on and, and being part of one. And, and I agree, I think it's a really valuable um, resource to get just many more people involved. So I hope that we that we are able to continue using that framework in the future. Um, is there anything else that you have going on that you would like to mention or give um, a plug for? No, I think I've already mentioned that we have the next conference coming up. Um, and if you're interested in other hybrid conferences, ASAB is still trying to continue some of their in-person conferences, but they've designed hublets as well. So if you ever want to attend a conference but don't feel like you can do in-person yet, there are smaller scale options as well. So um, it's worth keeping an eye out for that too. Brilliant. Well, thanks so much, Cass, for coming on. It was great to chat to you. Thank you very much. And I hope it goes well in January. We'll be following along. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs>
Cass's paper, as well as all the information you'll need to follow the conference this week, will be in the episode notes wherever you get your podcasts. As always, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the underscore we underscore podcast. And I'll be back again soon with a longer episode full of the same brilliant science from women in ecology and evolution. Bye for now.